Well, I'm excited as we gather once again as the Christ Journey family, wherever you're making your connection with us, Kendall Campus, Gables Campus, across the nation, around the world, and in the United States today is Father's Day, so we want to give a shout out to all dads connecting with us, and where, at whatever nation you're joining us from, may God's blessing be upon you. Now, we also, you know, something that we've been doing is I invite all of us on all campuses, wherever you're connecting, to join our our faith in one voice, and just say together, nothing is too hard for God. But today, I want to invite us to step it up a little bit. Jesus said when we pray, we should pray our Father who is in heaven. So today we're going to say it this way, nothing is too hard for our Father God. How about that? Okay, you ready? Get a good breath. Nothing is too hard for our Father God. One more time. Kendall, you with us? Nothing is too hard for our Father God. Amen. So whatever hard place you might find yourself in today, we're inviting the blessing of Father God to meet you and lift you from there. Now, speaking of fathers, can I go on record just for a second here? You know the difference between a dad joke and a bad joke? The first letter. Let it, let it rise. The first letter. Now, to those of you joining us, you know, from before I was here, we have translated into Spanish, and for the last 18 years, we have a team that is interpreted in Portuguese. So, you know, jokes like that just don't translate. So thank you for laughing anyway, those of you joining us in another language, because I know what the interpreters do at that point. They say, oh, it's an English thing, just laugh. <laughs> so see what I mean? Thank you very much. Um, but thank God for the men in our lives, the fathers in our lives who do so much more than tell jokes. Like they're there for us. Like did you see the news story of the, the dad that was in North Carolina with his 17-year-old daughter. They're waist deep in water and a shark comes up and attacks the girl and drags her into the water. And dad is immediately in the water. You saw the story, right? And it says he pounded the shark on the nose five times until it turned loose of his daughter, saved her life and got her unstuck. The series that we're in is called Unstuck. And uh, we are learning how God helps us get unstuck in life. And, and uh, the last time we were together, we, saw, we learned that he does it through people who care. And uh, in the aftermath of that message, one of our Christ journeyers, Jennifer Perez, posted this. On, on Facebook with a photo of her 97-year-old grandfather. Here's what she said. I honor the man that taught my mother and me who our Lord and Savior, who our Lord and Savior is. He's been a disciple working for the kingdom through the gifts God gave him, being a physician all these years of his life. And then she says, my service today, this was last Sunday, taught me about making room for everyone. My father has been the epitome of making room for everyone and sharing the good news to everyone and anyone that would listen. And then she showed another photograph and said, look, he's wearing his scarlet cord. And so am I. Are you? You know what we're wearing these for? Because they remind us that God helps people get free when somebody else does the assist. They're reminding us that God wants us, God wants to use us to help other people get free, to get unstuck. So to dads today, I got to say what a tremendous responsibility and privilege it is to be able to do that for our families, for our friends. I don't know if I have a greater joy in life 
than the joy of being a father. Biological father to my daughters, uh, spiritual father in my spiritual family for so many years, and then grandfather, oh my goodness, this has kicked it up to another level. Oh, look, there they are. How does that happen? It's like every time I mention them, they just pop right up. And, uh, and right now, Lolly, if you're watching, she's out there in California with them right now, so... Um, I'm telling you, we want to be, our prayer has already begun. Lord, would you help me, help us, help them to find freedom in Christ at the earliest opportunity. We pray that for all of our families. We want to be that kind of place. We want to be the kind of place for people where they can come and get unstuck, where we can find freedom in Christ. Now, we all get stuck in life. Some of the times we feel like we're stuck in the workplace. You know, things aren't going the way we want. We want it to get better. We don't know how to get unstuck. Sometimes we get stuck relationally. We don't know how we got there, but it feels like we're spinning our wheels. You know, we're struggling in the present. We remember the past. Something was great, but in the present, it's like we're struggling to get to recover our awesome. Uh, and it can be so ironic because we can be so busy, 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 right? We're just like busy going nowhere fast. It's like a hamster on a wheel putting out so much energy. You ever feel like this? You're just putting out energy, but you're really not getting any productivity. You're stuck. John Maxwell says, you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. You ever do that? Overestimate the unimportant, it's a place where we get stuck. And then we wind up in that space of quiet desperation that Thoreau talked about. Well, you know what, today, God's not stuck. Would you repeat those words with me? God's not stuck. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them, God's not stuck. God's not stuck. So wherever we find ourselves today, God wants to help us get on the move. And today in Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, God is on the move. Today my sense is that that's happening in Christ's journey right now. You know, there's a time where the spiritually sensitive can tell something's stirring. It's like that spidey sense that lets you know, you know, something's tingling. The wind of the Spirit is blowing. Jesus said the Spirit is like the wind. And the rustling of the trees is happening. And God is on the move. It's like, and it's ha I believe it's happening right now in Christ's journey family life. That God is calling out leaders. That God is opening wide doors of opportunity. That God is on the move and he is wanting, when God moves, he wants his people to join him. To take the next step in the movement. There's a scene in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where Beaver tells the children that are gathered around the table, Aslan is on the move. Now, if you're not familiar with the movie, can I just read you an excerpt from uh, the book that C.S. Lewis wrote? You know, one of the things that my grandson Wes loves to have done is read a story to him. So, West, if you're watching with Lolly right now, this one's for you, okay? They say Aslan is on the move. Perhaps he's already landed. And now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan is any more than you do. But at that moment, the moment Beaver spoke in these words, they felt quite different. Perhaps it's sometimes happened to you in a dream that 
that someone says something that you don't understand, but in the dream it feels like it has enormous meaning and uh, either a terrifying one, which means that the dream had just become a nightmare, or else a lovely one, meaning uh, too lovely to put into words, which makes the dream so beautiful that you remember it all your life and, and you're always wishing you could get into that dream again. Well, something like that happened to the children. At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. <laughs> and then Peter suddenly felt brave and adventurous. And Susan, she felt as if uh, some delicious smell or some music, strain of music had just floated by her. And Lucy got the feeling, the feeling that you have when you wake up in the morning and you realize that it's the beginning of holiday or the beginning of summer. Aslan was on the move. In Joshua chapter 3, God is on the move. And, um, and he has the officers are now going through all of the camp and they're telling people this, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests carrying it, the priests and the Levites, then you are to move out and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. The time had come for the people to cross the Jordan River. It was flood stage and... Um, and yet the Lord was going to make a way where there didn't seem to be a way. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're at a crossing and it looks like, I don't know how this is going to happen. Maybe you feel like you're stuck. You're just spinning your wheels. You don't know. You know, I don't know how the Lord's going to make a way. But if he could, I would love for him to get me a little closer to free today. Well, may God add his blessing to his word to your life. This story is about moving from where you are and getting unstuck. And here's how God said it would happen for the people. The priests would carry that ark. In the Ark of the Covenant, Israel's most sacred treasure, it was the symbol of God's presence. It was a gold rectangular box. We don't know what it looks like. Two angels were facing each other on the lid. Inside were the tables of the Ten Commandments, the jar of manna, the, the wonder bread from the wilderness journey, and then Aaron's staff, which was the symbol of his high priestly authority. And the people were then to consecrate themselves, offer themselves to God, and then follow the ark in the wake of God's miracle power and occupy the land. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, they tell us, as soon as they set foot in the Jordan River, then the waters that were flowing downstream would stop, stand up in a heap, and all of the people, all of Israel was to cross on dry ground. So the same God that brought their ancestors through the Red Sea would take them into the promised land in similar fashion. But there was an order in which they were to make the journey. First, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant. Next, 40,000 armed warriors from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. Those were tribes that had settled on the other side of the river. And then finally, the people would come. All the other tribes 
with all of their clans and all of their families and all of their people until that very last person crossed over. And then after they had crossed over, 12 men would be selected to go back into the river where the priests were standing with the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, they were to take out 12 stones. One represented one every tribe where the priests stood and then bring them back to the place where they were staying that night. They were forming a memorial to the experience. And here's what they say. In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, the fathers were to give voice to the faith, to the journey of faith. When they ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Then tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea. Why? So that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. Nothing too hard for our Father God. And then that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now, this story is just like rich in unstuckness principles. Truth that brings traction. And what I would like to do is, um, that, and then results in forward movement. So wherever you feel stuck in your life right now, or maybe you feel like you're spinning your wheels right now, what my prayer is that God will help you get off dead center by, and stop spinning your wheels by finding traction through his truth and get on the move God's way. That's the message of the whole story. Get on the move God's way. But how do we get there? Well, four truths that will function kind of like four-wheel drive. You know what four-wheel drive is. Every wheel, every wheel has its own energizer. So likewise, with these four truths, every one of them has power to pull you forward. And when you act on them together, then they have a way of unsticking you from where you've been. Truth number one, God's way is entered through worship through worship. Traction point. I get on the move with God when I put God first. Congealed down to his essence, worship is putting God first. Whether you're singing or choosing or doing or whatever it is, it's about putting God first. And you know what? There's an order to getting unstuck God's way right here in the story. He says, first, follow God's lead. The Levites we're in the river first with the Ark of the Covenant, which meant put God first. So whatever it is, wherever you are stuck, you feel like you're not gaining any traction in your life, here's where Jesus says to get unstuck. You've got to love the Lord your God, worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him in spirit and in truth. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God. What did Solomon the wise say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways acknowledge him, and then what? Then you'll get unstuck. He will direct your paths. It's the same principle here. How can you do that? How can you put God first in your daily life? Well, the most practical way that I practice is by starting every day in his word. And I would recommend it to you. Start the day with an open Bible, with an open heart, with an open mind, and then daily prayer. Jesus said this, if you remain in me, that means you make your dwelling place in me, and my words find dwelling place in you, then ask whatever you will. And this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, that you get traction in life. So you want to get unstuck in your daily life, start this way. Start by putting God first. Start each day with the Bible. 
If you don't have a Bible or you're wondering which one should I get, I'll recommend to you the one that I use every morning, the New International Life Application Study Bible. International is what it's talking about. It was written for the world. Scholars for the world. The New International Version, Study Bible, uh, large print edition. You know, Billy Graham said, small print's the devil's idea. So, you know, get yourself a large print edition, and every morning when you get up, open your life, open your mind, open your Bible, and say, Lord, speak to me. And then as he does, then follow what he says. Here's what I do. I read a chapter, and then I read every note on the page about that chapter. And if you don't know where to start, then I would suggest Philippians. It's a great letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament, and you can read it in under 15 minutes. But it is loaded with unstuck truth that can help you find your way to freedom. Truth number two, God's way is established through warfare. So it's entered through worship. You want to get to God's way in your life first, you got to put him first, and then you establish it through worship. Traction truth, I get on the move as I soldier on. What does it mean to soldier on? It's another English figure of speech. It means, it simply means keep on doing something even when it's hard. Keep on doing something even when it's hard. So Paul writes to Timothy about this very thing. He says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Part of that means it's mental toughness. So you're developing a spirit that will persevere in spite of the opposition that comes, right? Even when I'm tired, I'm gonna do it. Even when I'm weary, I'm gonna, I'm gonna soldier through. Even when it's hard, I'm gonna keep holding on. But then... You know what those armed warriors did? They lead the way for others. So what soldiers do is place themselves in harm's way on behalf of others. So the soldiers that were leading the way were not doing it for their own tribes and for their own families and for their own clans. Did you know that? Their families were already safe on the other side of the Jordan that had settled in. But Joshua says this, all your fighting men fully armed must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers, until the Lord gives them rest as he did you. So here's a good place for me just to stop for a moment and say thank God for the men in our lives who have gone ahead of us and made way for us so that we can find freedom and follow their wake, those who blaze a trail so that others can follow. For instance, January of 2013, there were several of those that formed the Kindle Campus they rose up on behalf of others. Their families were settled in. They were comfortable. But several of them rose up and said, you know what? We're going to go claim the new land for God. And I want to say, man, we love you, Kendall. We're shout out to Kendall. And for those who helped us establish a spiritual beachhead there, we want to say, God bless you. It's found right here in Scripture. Um, people who are willing to be spirit warriors and enter the fray on behalf of somebody else. People who are willing to punch sharks in the face. For somebody they love. And we thank God for those who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and, uh, and make a way so others can find him too. If you have experience as a spiritual warrior, could I ask you, would you consider leading the way to Miami Beach at this time? To do what Reuben and Gad and the 
the tribe of Manasseh did, to help us establish a beachhead there. And how did, what does that have to do with getting unstuck? Well, listen, you enter into the unstuck place. You find freedom by first putting God first, not self first, and then second, by doing it on behalf of somebody else. Through warfare that says, I'm here so that somebody else can find their way. That you would say, I'll rise up. He said, I want you guys to lead the way in there, Joshua said, into the promised land, until every one of the tribes gets settled in. Then you go back to be with your own. Would you consider giving 12 or 18 months to helping get them established, just like we did when we started Kindle Campus? A few hundred of us gave it launch and showed up for somebody else and didn't just serve ourselves. Truth number three, God's way to get unstuck is experienced as a walk. So we enter into it through worship. We establish it through warfare. And then we take steps. We walk the journey out. What's the traction? What's the truth of that traction? The truth that gets traction there is this, that I get on the move with God when I walk and stay close to him. When God moves, so do I. I don't just come in, settle in, sit down and say, feed me. I soldier up and I step out and I start taking the journey. I get traction because I move. I take steps. Eugene Peterson is the author of the Message Version Bible. He's also written so many books about the Christian life, about spiritual discipline. If you're looking for a great Father's Day gift, this is a classic. Uh, a long obedience in the same direction. The subtitle is Discipleship in an Instant Society. Instead of a quick fix, a flash in the pan, we want to get a feeling. We want to rise to lightning strikes, you know. No, the, the way to get unstuck is not waiting for lightning to strike, but to take steps on the journey in the walk of obedience. In Joshua chapter 3 and 4, we're told that the waters of the river stayed parted until every one of those hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands, over a million people, made it through their personal journey across. Everybody took their own steps. Everybody walked their own path. But they did it as part of the movement of God, the long walk of obedience. This is how God gets his people unstuck from the wilderness. You feel like you're stuck? Let me ask you, are you willing to take steps? Or you just want to sit there and complain? Every tribe, every clan, every person, every family was part of that movement. Verse 17 in chapter 3, all Israel passed by, all Israel, until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. You know, the nation of Israel was a nation, yes, but it was a movement. God was creating a movement there. I've sensed the same thing about Christ's journey. Christ's journey isn't just a church. Christ's journey is a movement. We have many congregations now. We are on the move. We've been on the move. Now we're widening the, the reach and on the move once again. And that means that there's a place for you on the journey. But journeys are not made sitting still. Journeys are made taking steps. So there's a place for you in the Christ journey, but not as a spectator, as a participator, which is really where the action is, right? You want to get unstuck? Then you got to take more steps than getting from your car to your seat. You don't have to say amen, but I know somebody's listening to me. You got to take more steps than from your car to your seat. 
Thank you. And I know you're thinking about somebody else, aren't you? But here's the thing. On a journey, you got to take steps. What are your steps? Well, the first step, we say, is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. What's the next step? Be baptized. Declare your oneness with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Have you taken that step? You want to know why you're stuck? Well, let me ask you. Have you taken the last step God told you to take yet? I feel stuck in my spiritual journey, Bill. Okay, let's just back up. What did he last ask you to do? Have you done it yet? Just take the next step in your journey. Yeah, okay, I've professed my faith. I've been baptized. Now what? Well, get connected to a group. Do life with some real people. Let's learn how to love people larger than yourself. And then, what's the next step? Well, you might want to step up and serve somebody else. Not just for your own sake, but for their sake. And as you start growing, then you might connect it to your heart. And since Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So you want your heart to be with God. Then learn how generosity can take you to the next level. And then, oh my goodness, speaking about the next level, we might just talk about inviting the the scarlet cord to help us help somebody else find freedom in him. You might share your faith story with somebody else. The fathers were the one that were responsible for those in the future to tell them the story of how this works. Or maybe invite somebody. Invite somebody into the journey yourself and then watch God use you. But share your faith. Take steps. That's how journeys happen. Like we said, you know what, uh, Pastor, uh, when it comes to Christ's journey, uh, this is what I want to make my prayer to the Lord. Lord, I'll be there, and I'm going to help fill that empty chair. There are a few empty chairs in the room. We're about to empty some more because we're going to make room for more by sending our warriors to Miami Beach. But God wants to use us to help others find him so that they can experience the inspiration that we share here. Truth number four, but these are truths that get traction, not just for listening, but to put the pedal down and take some action on them is extended in witness. God's way is extended in witness. Okay, God's way. You want to get unstuck? Enter through worship. Put God first. Then establish through warfare. Soldier up. And then experience it through walk. Take your next steps and keep moving until what? You're extending it in witness. Traction, I get on the move as I share God's story with others, especially those who have yet to come. Those stones, they said, were stacked up, and Joshua said, in the future, people are going to ask, how'd those get here? What do those stones mean? And then he said, fathers, dads, you ought to be able to tell that story. The faith story for our family, our Christ Journey family, is something that men need to carry in their hearts and on their lips into the future so that some man could say in the future, hey, son, you know what? Those stones mean God made a way where nobody thought there'd be a way. Can I tell you that story? (laughs) They mean that somebody got unstuck and led the way so then the entire ones behind could follow in the way. Those stones mean that there's a place for us in his promises. Those stones mean we're here for each other. We're not just coming for ourselves. Those stones mean that men of character cut a wake into the future. That's what those guys would be telling the story. And by the way, let me tell you how I got here. And then tell the story so that their sons and their grandsons can celebrate Maybe you can think of somebody. Can you think of, a, of somebody who 
was far enough ahead of you in the journey that they could invite you into it, somebody who was there for you, who made a way for you, who helped you have a future so that you could now experience what you're experiencing. Even with the challenges, yes, I get that. Would you just thank God for them? In your mind, you don't have to bow your head and close your eyes. You can just say, thank you, Lord, for filling the blank who helped me have a future along life's way. There's a man of character in my life who helped cut a wake for me. Speaking of man of character, what does that look like? You know, some of us are familiar with Proverbs chapter 31. It's a book in the Bible that outlines a woman who is worthy of praise. But did you know chapter 31 of that, that same chapter starts with a man of character, defining what a man of character is like. King Lemuel offered this, a message that he got from his mother. Here's what she said. Oh, my son. Oh, son of my womb. Oh, son of my vows. That means she's owning, you know, yep, you're, you're mine. I take responsibility. I'm willing to own the fact that you're my offspring. And not only biologically, she says, son of my womb, but spiritually influencing him. And now she's offering some advice. This is kind of like get in your face that will offer traction for his life as a leader. Verse 3, don't spend your strength on women. Your vigor on those who ruin kings. (laughs) Listen to your mother here. Because this is a woman talking about women. Don't lose your strength to ruinous women. That's her advice to her son. Now, by the end of the chapter, she's going to help us know, no, look for this kind of a woman. Because you find her, you want to marry her, you want to keep her, because she's going to be making a difference in the rest of your life. But on the front end, he says, okay, here's what men do. Don't lose your strength to ruinous women. Verse 4, it's not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. And then she goes on to say that beer and wine and substances that can kill pain should be used by those who need their pain to be killed. So that, but kings, they need to keep their wits about them so that they can, they can um, remember those that are in misery and in poverty and help them find their way out. So she's saying, you know, I'm raising you to be a king, and kings are about justice. Kings want to do what's right for helping people. So uh, a leader, in order to do that, has got to keep his mind. So don't lose your strength to ruinous women. Don't lose your mind to numbing drugs. And then third, don't lose your voice to passive silence. Verse 9, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Speak up for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Guys, fathers, listen to me. Sir, people need in your circle of influence. You know what? I know this. I don't even know where you are or where you're from, but I can tell you that if you have influence and you're a father, somebody needs to hear your voice. Somebody needs to hear you speak your truth in this world with your voice so that they can, because they feel helpless and they would like to know where they stand. They would like to know that you care. So to defend the poor or to use your power to help others to find their voice who can't speak for themselves, that's what she's talking about. Those who feel silenced, let your truth be said. What's the song? Say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. Let other people hear it, including your gospel voice. Romans chapter 10, Paul says this. 
How can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? Use your voice. Now, sometimes we'll hear people say, oh, he's just the strong, silent type. And I get that. It's okay. You know what Lemuel's mama was saying? Son, don't be the weak, silent type. Share your truth. Share your Lord. God wants others to know him, and he uses people like us to invite them so that they can join the journey. There was a reason God said he would lead the way through the ark, through the priests, through the warriors, through the families, you know, everybody making sure that everybody's getting on the way over. Here's what it said, verse four, you've never been this way before. I'm willing to uh, guess that some of us today, though maybe you're familiar with these truths, you've never been this way before. That maybe you've heard them, but you have not yet used them. You have not yet gained traction. This, these are truths for traction. And when we put them into action, they refuse to let you stay stuck where you are. But when you put God first and then soldier up to take steps forward, He's saying, you know, you've never been this way before. But God wants to show you how to go there. So that's my challenge to you today. Why does God want you to go there? Verse, the last verse, chapter 4. The Lord did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that his hand is powerful. If it's powerful to help you move, get on the move. If it's, help, if it's powerful enough to move you from a stagnant, spinning the wheels life, then others can be moved as well and can enter into a relationship of respect with him. Can you imagine somebody discovering their Christ journey because of you? God can. Can you imagine somebody entering into this space because of you? God can. Maybe that's the reason you got here, because somebody invited you and you took them up on it. It's the, re it's the way that we even got a church 93 years ago there was a core group of lay people down at Central Baptist Church. They didn't even have a pastor. They just said, there's that new university down there, and that university needs a church where students will be able to find and follow Christ, where people will be able to find him and meet him and go. Because they did that, because they were the tip of the spear, we're here today. Thank God for that kind of spirit. Six and a half years ago, we sent out another team to Kendall Campus. The same time period, we sent one to church online, you know. We got Digerati and, I mean, nerds rule the world right now, right? Well, I'm telling you, through Christ's journey, Google Analytics have told us that through our church online, we have unique users in every nation and territory on the face of the earth because of the nerds at Christ's journey. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't disqualify yourself from the difference that God wants to make with you. Take your next step. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, that you took the step down from eternity into our time, that you clothed yourself in humanity and then went to a cross to offer your life to soldier up on behalf of us. And then you rose from the dead and have sent your spirit so that you can live through us into the challenges of our world. Thank you for those who've done it here. Thank you for the ones that we have benefited from this day. 
And now we pray you would help us lean in to that space for our day. Would you take your next step? What is it? Right now, tell the Lord you'll do it. I'll trust you. I'll be baptized. I'll connect to a group. I'll find a place to serve. I'll rise to tip of the spear adventure with Miami Beach. I'll invite somebody to come with me to Christ's journey. And friend, if you came with somebody today and you sense that this is God's opportunity for you to begin a relationship, then I have a prayer I would like to offer and you can join me in it. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit and now lead me on the journey you would have for me. As I make my prayer in your name, our heads are still bowed. But if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand? Church online, you're watching, you can click right there on screen. Kendall Campus, our pastor's watching and praying now. God bless you. Thank you. Toward my right, toward the back, God bless you. Amen. Sometimes it's hard for me to see with the lights in my eyes up here, but over to my left, God bless you. Thank you, sir. Lord, for each person who by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open, we pray that you would assure them that your spirit has indeed come alive in them and that now the journey begins for blessing as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.